Hi, I'm Prophet Nati. Thanks for listening to the Caribbean Cannabis Channel. Meditate with us every Monday as we seek to educate you on the latest developments and personal stories of those shaping the cannabis economy across the region. Now here's your program. So welcome back to the Caribbean Cannabis Channel everyone. Um, today we have a very educational but both entertaining and insightful conversation here with members from the Higher Yields Consultancy team, a consulting firm out of Denver, Colorado, but they have operations across the U.S. as well as international partners. And joining us today is the CEO, Corey Wagner, as well as their business development director, Anthony Adkins. Thanks for joining us today, brothers. It's a great pleasure having you on the show today. Excellent. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah, thanks so for having us, Daniel. My pleasure. So as we were discussing before, you all, you all were giving us a little insight scoop in terms of um, your own personal story as well as how you would have gotten involved or started um, higher yield consultancy. Um, but before we do begin, um, can you all just um, give the viewers a sense of geography as to where you're joining us from today? Yeah, absolutely. I'm here in uh, just south of uh, Denver, Colorado, and uh, so live in the mountain mountain states in the mile high city and i'm here uh in denver colorado uh, right downtown at, at ground zero <laughs> <laughs> so Corey, um I'll, I'll start off with you um you're just giving us the an insight in terms of as i said your own personal story developing the higher use consultancy and really seeing it as a way of filling the gaps in the industry as you would have made mention what were you exactly doing before higher yields consultancy before that vision, that idea without fact in your brain? Well, I started uh, back in uh, 2008 out in Northern California, up in the Emerald Triangle, helping out cultivator co-ops develop as compliant systems as they possibly could back then. Obviously, the industry's changed quite a bit in the last 13, 14 years. Um, Back then, it was still pretty wild, wild west. And, uh, you know, there was still a lot of concern with federal governments getting involved, uh, state government and even local government. So um, trying to help people back then just try to get compliant and try to make sure that they were in the best position they could to, to mitigate as much risk as they possibly could. And uh, in 2010, I made my way out to Denver, um, where I owned and operated uh, a couple retail stores, uh, cultivation sites uh, for a few years. Um, we did really well with those. But uh, even here in Denver, you know, they had a much more regulated program that they were setting up. But it was still very new, and they were still figuring out a lot of the nuances, and um, you know, a lot of the the regulations at that time were kind of put in place in theory rather than in practice. So, uh, you know, over those three years, as as things came up and rules would change, um, you know, obviously those were the pretty drastic changes uh, when when there wasn't much there. I think when we started, there was about forty pages of regulations. Now we're up to about six hundred pages of regulations. So it's it's been kind of neat to to see it evolve. Um, but in 2013, I got out of operations uh, and just started working or my own personal operations. And I started working with other operators uh, who at that time had distressed assets and were not operating very efficiently. And what we did for them was basically kind of fix and flip their businesses. So come into their cultivation, implement in our systems uh, from there, work our way into retail, um, into marketing, branding, and then uh, eventually selling those businesses to larger operators. And then in uh, 2015, um, saw an opportunity to kind of take those systems and, and recognizing a little better the value that we could bring from a professional service standpoint to the industry 
um, and I created Higher Yields uh, Consulting. How does it feel looking back throughout that journey? Did you envision that you'd be here with Higher Yields today? In the beginning, no. Um, I think in the beginning, it was a lot like everybody who gets in the industry. You know, I was going to have a million square feet of cultivation, a hundred stores, you know, take over the world. But I, I think, you know, what I kind of learned was it was going to be, you know, looking back on it, it was going to be a, a very big industry and it was going to be really difficult to be involved um, in so many different states at that time and, and be able to to really develop what you need to be successful, you know, having a full vertical. Um, and so when I got into consulting or when I was kind of looking at getting into consulting, I saw a lot more flexibility and really aligned a little bit better with my skill set as, as more of a problem solver. Like I can be good with routines, um, but doing them over and over again every day, it's not really my thing. I like to, to help solve problems. I like to come up with creative solutions. Um, build relationships, you know, see new things, try new things and, um, you know, be kind of the first to, to do things on a global level. So um, I, I guess in some ways, you know, there's some things if I could go back in time that I would have done differently that may have put me in a different position as an operator. But overall, I'm, I'm pretty glad or pretty happy with the decision I made. It's, it's been really cool to, to work on all these international projects and see so many different you know, entrepreneurs and cultivations and retails and brands um, and, you know, work with local governments, state governments, federal governments, develop regulations, um, create international supply chains. Um, it's It's been really, it's been really neat. And, it, and it's certainly evolved into something that I, I never really thought it would, or, you know, I guess since I had never seen it before, um, I just didn't realize the full potential of, of higher yields. And I think even Today, and Andy, I'm sure you agree, like we're still kind of recognizing, you know, some of that potential. Yeah, I also love the and agree with the idea of spontaneity and always seeking new new heights and kind of songs like a play on the words of the higher yield because you're always seeking that higher yield, you know. Um, so in terms of you, Anthony, and your connection with, with higher, higher yields, what was the process of moving away from the industry that you were in? And actually getting involved with higher yield consulting. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, as I mentioned before, my you know my background was in telecom and technology, so highly complex, highly regulated, uh, especially on an international level. Uh, to see you know markets come together and the struggles and the pains that they had, you know, with delivering you know solutions into those to help resolve either. Um, you know, communications issues, uh, issues surrounding technology actually doing what they say that it did and, uh, you know, helping these organizations, you know, not only nationally, but internationally on an enterprise uh, type of level. So, you know, having the opportunity to be a part of launching the consulting, global consulting arm of one of the world's largest telecommunications companies at the, at that particular time. You know, was a real, was a real joy for me in terms of overall business, business development, how important partnerships are, um, strategy and, and ecosystem development, partnership development, channel development, even, you know, so, um, taking that and bringing that expertise and sort into a, in an environment that, um, you know, is, is young and it's growing in an industry that is, you know, really, you know, running up against complexity, running up against, you know, highly, reg highly regulated environments, um, supply chain elements that, you know, how you need to finesse, but yet stay within regulation and compliance. 
you know, as Corey mentioned, I mean, so, you know, bringing that expertise into a very interesting industry and an industry um, and a plant that I've, you know, researched that I've done a lot of insightful study on uh, just from an overall medicinal, you know, medicinal aspect, you know, why was it ever illegal to begin with? <laughs> it was like asking questions like that, you know, and, you know, you have a, you have a plant that can, you know, ultimately can clothe you, can shelter you, can heal you. That's, that's a pretty amazing plant, right? And so, um, being a former collegiate athlete, um, you know, from that standpoint, there's no doubt that my body aches and pains and, you know, those sorts of things. And to be able to, you know, engage in, in a plant that can help ease and heal. And it's been quite amazing. So, um, my interest in looking at an adjustment in my career, um, this industry was, was wide open to me as I, as I felt meaning I, I wanted to make a, a dramatic change, but a change for the better. Now, um, you know, being on board with higher yields and given this opportunity to be in this industry has really allowed me to bring uh, that expertise of business development on a global uh, level to be able to bring and mitigate and risk and to elevate return on investment to make sure partnerships are, are solid, are accountable, predictable, you know, that, that when someone is something is introduced into the ecosystem or with our clients that they can anticipate a, a great response from, you know, a responsible, accountable relationship. So those, uh, matter, you know, definitely in this industry, uh, there's still an element of skepticism that surrounds it that permeates, you know, our, our communities, our cultures and, and that sort of thing, you know, and how do we innovate? How do we educate? And really bring forth, you know, the benefit of, of this plant and, uh, to elevate the economic standpoint of countries, right? I mean, that's huge. When you're taking a look at, you know, for example, like the Brazilian market, they're estimating it to be, you know, in the next five years, you know, a six billion, eight billion dollar a year industry, you know, just in Brazil alone. So that's, I mean, that, that's a, that's a high level of economic impact you know, for sure. And employment and education. I mean, all, all the things and ancillary value, value add that this industry can bring. So that was uh, the reason why I'm here. And uh, given this opportunity with higher yields has been nothing less than amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm here. Indeed, the excitement from the move, the shift, it seems as though that shift from the telecoms and technology um, into higher yields would have suited you perfectly. Yeah, so I'm always glad to hear when persons make that shift and they could bring their expertise from their own industry into cannabis. Because persons like to separate cannabis and see it as a an isolated industry, when in fact the cannabis industry touches nearly on every single sector, whether it be economics, health, spirituality, telecommunications, all these different things would include within the cannabis industry. So it's always great to hear. Um, how persons could tie in one expertise into this one. In terms of higher yields itself, um, when we were speaking before, you would have given given me a little insight about the, the services that you'll offer at higher yields, which I'm pretty excited by because usually when you hear about consultancy consultancy firms, they focus on one aspect of the cannabis industry. So some may focus on compliance, some may do security, some mm -hmm. may focus on growing services. But being the a premier 
consultancy firm that you're like, you'll have both. Let me get the four pillars exactly, which you'll have both of me mentioned. Compliance, commercial, growing services, as well as creative branding. And sometimes, um, especially coming out of the Caribbean, a lot of us may not be familiar with the reach that you have to have while entering the cannabis industry, some of the things that you have to actually consider. So just give, give us a little more insight in terms of the levels that you all have at higher use consultants. I'll tell you, Anthony. <laughs> you know this one better than me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the you know it's it's interesting because you know we do have sort of an internal motto, you know, no project too big, no client too small. And when we look at it, we look at viability, we look at feasibility, assessment, bringing certainty to individuals and groups that have this is their first time getting into the industry. You know, where do I, I know I want to be in the industry. Gosh, where do I start? Well, higher yields brings that expertise, brings that element to, to their, to their vision. You know, as I say, there are three key things that really differentiate us, you know, in this market. Number one, we're customized. We customize what we do. I mean, we take um, a good amount of time in the beginning of a relationship to really understand the vision, the end game, the goal. Um, and we've heard things like, I want to establish a legacy that lives beyond me. I want to have something that I'm passionate about and want to be involved with. Some of it is an economic move, right? Somebody is a diversification move. So what we do is we really pay attention and customize our approach so that we're always in alignment with the client, with the group's end game, end goal, or their vision of what they seek to accomplish. Then we pull that back in our customized format and talk about current reality. And current reality sometimes is, is something hard to swallow because, you know, um, sometimes we'll get inquiries say, hey, I have $50,000 US and I want to get involved in the industry. And first thing is, well, Fifty thousand dollars is is good, but what do you? What about the industry? Do you want to do, <laughs> right? So it's uh, you know because fifty thousand dollars ultimately is not going to get you very far in terms of you know depending upon how what they're doing and how they want to structure. So that customization piece is we pay attention to their end game end goal. The second thing that really um, differentiates us, and as Corey, I'm sure you probably uh, had heard from him. Is that, I mean, the extensive experience that we have in, in the cannabis industry from the early days of seeing it evolve and seeing what's occurred, seeing the issues and obstacles and things that took whole businesses out that are no longer functioning or, or alive today. You know, we've been there and done that. We're not basing this on some sort of theoretical pie in the sky utopian view i mean we're getting down we've been in the in the trenches we understand the mistakes we help mitigate those mistakes we help mitigate those risks and uh you know and bringing that expertise of the entire team to the table to our for our clients um is uh is pretty unique in this industry actually because we're we're fluent throughout that supply chain the third thing is we operate in phases or phased approaches. Um, a phased approach is very important in this industry because of how it does mitigate the risk. 
um, when you break it off into segments or pieces, um, now we're able to do those feasibilities assessments, financial modeling, give roadmaps and budgets and timeframes and timelines that can be used to garner support financially, support um, operationally, you know, for our clients. Uh, that phased approach, you know, by building a building block on top of that, that way you can anticipate what those costs are going to be. You can help uh, maintain fiscal responsibility, uh, maximize return on investment. And if we need to, if a client needs to pivot, another huge opportunity and why we do a phased approach, pivot, unforeseen, or variable changes happen all the time. And if someone is too far down the road um, and has spent a whole bunch of money in a certain direction and all of a sudden that changes, right, there's a chance at losing that investment or having to redo something all over again. And uh, though, as, as I'm sure, you know, you, put, you picked up from Corey's explanation of why he started higher yields, um, we're very good at corrective services, <laughs> but we would much rather have a client start off the right way to be able to mitigate, to be able to have an opportunity to pivot if they need to, uh, to make variable change, uh, to um, work within a framework, work within a budget is very big. So those are the three major elements, right? And we apply that thinking throughout the entire supply chain, throughout our verticals or our pillars. Growth, right? Of course, that's the back end. Um, startup, right? How to start, where to go. Bring certainty into an uncertain environment. Uh, design consulting, that whole system implementation of a cult, proper cultivation that, you know, achieves a higher yield and definitely a pun intended because you know, that's exactly what we're about is that higher yield. Uh, higher elements of return on investment. And of course, the marketing as a service. Now that you're up and running, you've got to have a brand. What does your brand reflect? How do you create that brand awareness, messaging, positioning, logo design? You know, before, back in the early days, you could slap a green cross on a plastic container and go, woohoo, I'm selling cannabis now. <laughs> and uh, we need to be a little more savvy, a little more pay, paying attention to building trust, you know, in a marketplace that is global in nature, right? And uh, to have an eye on that. So those services support our differentiators, which, of course, ultimately educate, innovate, and help our clients achieve their end game, their end. Awesome. Like, I love how you, you, you ended it off with saying that you have to become more, more savvy um, in order to produce those, those higher yields. And it speaks to where we are at, um, at this point on looking on from the Caribbean to, towards your company and here in the, you allow the experience and the expertise to speak for itself rather than just jumping in because it's, it's a market that's always evolving. It's always, um, growing and you have to be able to stay ahead of the, the curve basically to, to keep up with, with the times. And you're doing a great job at that. And I'm hearing it um, behind your voice. No wonder why you're, one of the leading cannabis consultancy firms. I wanted to touch on one of the things that you would have made mention, and it's tying into the, the quote that you would have said, no project too large, no client is too small for, for higher use. And it speaks to a mandate of sorts for not just looking at those who have the 
the big capital to actually start up. As you would have made mention, if you're coming with just 50,000, or what is the plan that you have for that 50,000? What part of the industry you actually want to, to invest into? Right, so I just want to touch on how does higher yields like assist those who probably may, may not have that much capital or you're disproportionately affected in terms of the industry that you're in, in your own region? How does higher yields enter that or how does customers reach out to you to assist? Well, we still try to work, you know, with people. We, you know, but we, we take a lot of pride in, in being honest with people. There's a lot of consulting firms out there that, that won't tell you, you know, what's going to happen or what could happen or, you know, that maybe this isn't a, a good financial investment for you. Um, we prefer to be very transparent up front with those clients and, and letting them know. And sometimes it's not a matter of, you know, $50,000 won't get them anything in cannabis, but $50,000 won't build, you know, 10,000 square foot facility like they want. So a lot of times, you know, we still try to support those clients and and getting them started in developing business plans. You know, creating the uh, the resources and the documents that they need to be able to go out and raise capital. Um, there's also we have a grant program that we run here at Higher Yields um, for some of our domestic clients to apply for federal grants that you know generally don't apply necessarily for cannabis or for hemp, but revolve around like education, research and development. Um, medical research, you know, like PTSD and cancer and those sort of things, um, because there is still funding out there to support the industry. You just have to be very creative with with how you do it. And um, often client times, clients really appreciate that because you don't have to give up equity in your business um, in order to get that that capital. But there's still that it, it's a smaller investment, um, but it's usually kind of a smaller return than you know having a, an investor come in and just give you millions of dollars. Um, so we still work with them in those ways. And then here in the United States, one thing we're seeing a lot more is social equity programs. Um, we haven't really seen one yet that we feel has been rolled out properly, per se. But there are a lot of programs that are starting to get a lot better. And states are, are starting to communicate more over their state lines to understand what they did right, what they did wrong, what they can do better. Um, and those sort of programs basically offer those who've been disadvantaged by um, cannabis <clears throat> uh, legalization the opportunity to still apply for licenses and get support through that process or offer them um, smaller application fees. Uh, a lot of our clients who are going through that process, we might offer them a, a social equity discount to help put their applications together, help them compete in, in those state markets. So, you know. While fifty thousand dollars, I know, is just kind of a number we threw out. Um, it can be very difficult, but we still try to work with clients and help them, you know, find an area of the industry in which they can get involved. And it, it may or may not be what they originally in, intended for, but that's part of what we do. You know, is is opening doors that people otherwise didn't know existed. We're showing them opportunities that they otherwise had no idea about. Yeah, sometimes it's it's about looking at not just well, not putting all your eggs in one basket, essentially. Sometimes you have to look at other doors that are there to get into the same venue as um as you're explaining. I wanted to touch on the funding and thanks for going into it. One of the problems I know that many persons, not just in our region face, but even in the US is when it comes to funding or, or banking. How does how do you all assist persons in terms of navigating those space or is it as difficult as persons usually make it make it out to be? 
well, I think raising capital, no matter what industry is, is very difficult. Um, and depending on how prepared you are, you know, what your track record is, you know, what can you show that, that you're actually kind of bringing to the investor? You know, a lot of times when we create business plans, we tell people an investor's going to look at the executive summary. They're going to look at the bios to see who they're working with. And they're going to look at the financials. Then they're going to come back through and read everything else. So, you know, what, what that tells me is that executive summary, they want to know if this is something that interests them, something they see value in. Um, when they look at the bios, you know, investors, they don't, they invest in projects, but at the end of the day, they really invest in people and they have to trust the people. They have to believe in the people. Um, and those people have to be believable. They have to be trustworthy and they have to be experienced, you know, capable, competent. Um, and then the numbers have to align. You know, um, there's a lot of models that Anthony and I have run across that are pretty aggressive, you know, and we generally try to take a little bit more conservative approach because we've seen these businesses and, you know, some of them, you know, one in a thousand may, may do exactly what they think they're going to do and not have any issues along the way. But that's generally not how we see these markets roll out. And it's not only on necessarily the client or their projects. Sometimes it's it's up to the, the local government or the, the state government who's maybe slowing down the process or creating new regulations or new new issues or new hurdles to to get over. Um, so yeah, as, as far as raising money, it's it's not easy. Um, you know, depending on how much money and how big of a project, you know, we we often tell clients to you know, start small, prove concept, you know, and then try to try to Try to raise the money through kind of promoting scalability rather than the unknown, something that that doesn't exist. Like if you have 5,000 square feet and you're producing, you know, you're three pounds of light and your tests are 25% and better and, and you haven't had any issues and you have a clean record and you're making money, it's going to be a lot easier to go out and raise money for 50,000 square feet than if you don't have anything. If you've been growing in your basement, you don't, you know, you're not a real business, um, those sort of things. So, you know, we, we really encourage clients, you know, as they are raising capital to, you know, start small, prove concept, unless they have investors who are just ready to go and, and ready to write checks, which I would say never or very, very rarely ever happens. Um, but starting small and just proving that concept is, is a big thing we push the, the smaller operators and conceptual startups that come to us. It's sound wisdom there. You're referring to starting small and understanding the place that you, you are at. In terms of partnering with local governments, um, federal governments, as you would have make, made mention, I know that you all are always um, reaching out to our clients from international countries have been reaching out to you all. In terms of any Caribbean, and I'm not too sure if you all have set up shop in the Caribbean um, as yet. I know Jamaica has their industry, St. Vincent. As well as Barbados, they have their medical cannabis in the industry up and running. Have you all um, assisted any of those local governments or any organizations there in terms of um, setting up their own cannabis business? So we're working with, uh, and I'll pass this over to Anthony as well, but um, personally, I know the, the projects that I've been uh, working on for the last couple of years, there's uh, a couple of groups in Jamaica that we've been working with. One is kind of a a co-op of, of licensed growers who've, who've been there and are native to the area. Um, another group is, is looking to, to kind of move into that area and sees a lot of opportunities to the, the export opportunities that exist in, um, in Jamaica. Um, other than that, you know, I've done a little bit of work in Portugal. Uh, I know that's not necessarily Jamaica or Caribbean islands, but, um, one of the, 
the groups we worked with, the supply chain went through uh, the Caribbean islands and up into uh, to Portugal, Spain. Um, other than that, uh, Anthony, what about you? What what projects uh, have you been working on down there? Yeah, the the other projects are pretty interesting in both Barbados and uh, also now um, starting up in the Bahamas. A lot of these are, you know, the introduction into the, uh, the medicinal bureau, you know, cannabis and licensing and and uh, aspect of Barbados We've just been made an introduction to to that group um, down there exploring different grant opportunities and funding opportunities for projects and but also, you know, in terms of advancing the regulatory environment into hopefully adult um, recreational usage as well. Um, Barba- or, uh, Bahamas are been pretty interesting from that standpoint as there's, there's a lot of changes going on to, in the ministries down there and new appointees that we've, we're going to be uh, introduced to um, to help formulate as they don't have that background you know, in the industry and what even like, what should we do? <laughs> Asking questions on, you know, tax bases and tourism and, you know, just a lot of, a lot of really great conversations that we've had that will lead to, you know, that will, that are going to lead to additional projects. Um, you know, from that standpoint, Uruguay, Argentina, Ecuador, Colombia, uh, interesting what's happening, of course, in Panama. You know, with uh, with the regulation and legislation talks that are happening down there, uh, so we have our fingers on on that pulse. And um, you know, I'll definitely um, pass it over to Corey in terms of Mexico. What happened with the higher yields in Mexico and how great that relationship uh, is, and what what and how we've supported them. Um, Australia, we have um, new projects occurring that we're active in. And, um, you know, now being able to get into and understanding the issues and obstacles they have that we actually can provide the relationships and the advisement and how to overcome those particular things. And uh, so how we're functioning and how we're working and having this global breadth, it's, it leads to that continuity, the supply chain, the ecosystem, the partnerships, the experience, what we're hearing, what we're thinking, no, even knowing and Nathaniel, how to, what, what are the right questions to ask? You know, what are the, the discovery to help them prompt, you know, their creativity and thinking and, uh, and actually not being not afraid of the industry, but like, a, you know, hesitant about implementation of that. Yeah. It has, um, what do you think about our region at least? Persons are very conservative. So that's where you'll get uh, that hesitancy in terms of. They don't want to make this step now. They want to make this step later, as well as the region is heavily politicized. So anything that you look to do has a lot of politics behind it. So I think that's um, where persons as well develop that that fright in terms of actually getting themselves um, there. And that, that leads me to, to ask, like, what are the similarities, the differences that you all are seeing as to where these um, countries are now opposed to where Denver would have been um, years ago or even today. Corey, you want to touch on that and also circle back on Mexico too? I think that that's really important. You know, the big difference we see, and we see it here in the United States, we see it everywhere. It's It, it really kind of comes down to education, in my opinion. And 
um, you know, the, the people were the citizens of those places really pushing for that education and, and for those programs or seeing the opportunity, seeing the potential, seeing the benefits of this plant. Um, you know, in, in the U.S., we have, you know, it's federally illegal, but each state has their own program. You know, so we may have one state that they have adult use recreational and then next door to them, there's no cannabis program, there's no medical, there's no recreational, there's no adult use, there's nothing. Um, so, so it's kind of interesting to see the U.S. and kind of understand, you know, demographics of people in those different areas, but also some of the disconnect uh, that, that we experience often, whether it's at the local level, the state level, federal level, international level. Um, but I think we see that same thing internationally right now where, you know, a lot of countries are starting to kind of open their eyes to it and see more of the economic benefits of it rather than just, you know, it's this plant, it's it's marijuana, it's a drug, it's bad for you. You know, we're going to have all this crime. It's going to create all this violence, um, which, you know, in a mature market like Colorado, we've actually seen a decrease in drinking and domestic violence and, and things like that. So, you know, there has been... Um, you know, somewhat of a positive impact to negative statistics, you know, based on cannabis legalization. And as the industry evolves in some of those more mature markets, that data makes its way over to, you know, new countries looking to, you know, kind of open up their borders or open up their eyes or or open up their arms, you know, to the industry. Um, but it's also, you know, it's totally different governments, country to country. So things operate a lot differently. Some some countries move very quickly. Some can move very quickly. Some move very slowly. Um, some are very cautious. Some don't want import exports. Some do. Um, so it's it's kind of a hodgepodge of things. And and to circle back to Mexico, similar down there, um, the people voted. They they wanted medical cannabis. They wanted medical uh, hemp CBD. And the government said, okay, you know, let's let's do it. But Per year, they went without creating any sort of regulations, without creating any sort of program, um, and different than the United States and different than other federal governments. Um, basically, in Mexico, like if the government doesn't do it, then the citizens can essentially create regulation based off of an established program, put those forth, and start operating in that program. Yeah. Um, and so what we supported uh, the group in, in Mexico with was developing those regulations, essentially developing a program that they could take the government. Um, and that was eventually adopted by the government as, and is what they uh, what they operate on today um, in Mexico is, is the program that we helped uh, create. But in the same, you know, the government has still slowed it down. They've still put certain stipulations in it that you know, don't allow for import export. They've put stipulations in buying genetics, starting farms and things like that. So um, even with the people pushing for it, even with the people creating it for the government, even with the government accepting it, the government still kind of stands in the way. Um, and, you know, in Mexico, there's, there's there's other reasons for why those things might happen. Um, and in other countries, you know, around the world, we kind of see the same thing. Sometimes there's, there's a reason that, you know, maybe we can't publicly speak about. Um, sometimes it is a reason that we can publicly speak about. Sometimes it's, it's the leader of the government pushing for these regulations. Sometimes the le- leader of the, the government who's kind of kiboshing any potential for these types of industries. So, you know, it's, um, it's just different. It's, it's different everywhere you go. Yeah, I must agree. Uh, each place will have their, their ups and downs and their reasons. 
um, why. And it all boils down to um, education. And that's why I always promote or preach in terms of persons sharing information, assisting others. And that's uh, one of the reasons why um, a platform such as this was born, is so that persons could have that, that access to that education, access to persons who have been through the trenches and willing to assist others um, in their own regions, in their own countries to actually get things up and running. As we sort of closing down, um, that's one of the things I want to, to get into is some of the future plans for, for higher use. Like, where do you all see yourselves in the next three years as a, as a business? Next three years. Uh, I always love that question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the things that, I mean, the vision that we have is continue to elevate, support, educate, innovate, right? Uh, the industry and our clients a, as a whole to really open up pathways for conversation, pathways for legalization, um, proper regulations and proper, you know, development of, of a business and be mindful and always be able to mitigate risk, protect return on, you know, we protect investment and, um, you know, continue to proliferate and grow, uh, the industry as a whole. Um, you know, to say, you know, global domination or anything like that is, you know, I think a little kind of cliche and kind of funny. Uh, but yet at the same time, you know, every month, every quarter, every year that's going by, higher yields is becoming more uh, solidified and more resolved uh, in our mission uh, to advance, you know, the industry and to help people take a real, not not realistic, I'll take a certain approach to success in, you know, their own vision, their own, you know, project, if you will, of getting and being, seeing themselves successful. You know, the more success that we have, the more success our clients have, the more success, you know, states and countries and, you know, territories get to, you know, play in this global industry and have it be a true benefit, you know, <laughs> to, you know, to the, to, to, to the global economy. I mean, you can start getting into certain things like industrial hemp, right? And we're talking about replacing lithium batteries with, uh, with hemp. <laughs> I mean, and it's, you know, not only is it bring health to your environment by growing it, but it, by disposing of it, it doesn't ruin the environment. Um, where lithium, of course, does getting it out of the ground. And then when it goes back into the ground, um, it's both destructive to, you know, our ecosystems, our natural environments. And when you have such a plant, again, that has that medicinal, ecological, environmental, <laughs> organic, you know, restores soil, uh, can replace plastic, you know, I mean, keep going on and on and on. It's amazing. So that message needs to get out and go out. And it's up to us, the entrepreneurs, you know, um, you know, those that are bringing the groundswell, you know, up and the, you know, the newer generation of, you know, eyes wide open and global communities and, you know, the potential is endless. You know, I think in the last few years, we're starting to become one of the global leaders in cannabis, but in the next three years, um, my idea of, of higher yields will be to really kind of redefine uh, what it is to be a global leader mm. in the cannabis industry. 
And I think we're you know, starting to kind of mold that for ourselves now. But as as the world continues to open their 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 eyes and ears and hearts to cannabis, um, it's going to continue to create more opportunities and uh, more benefits to to everyone on the on the planet. And I support that vision. <laughs> yeah, I, I 110% support that vision as well. And one of the things that you always bring it back to, which I I love, is the people. I as I said before, we sometimes isolate the plant from the people when it's really the people that will make the plant impactful as it, as it is. And as Anthony said, it's a super plant. It does so many different things, um, both for the environment, for for people themselves, for the economy. Um, as we as we close. Right, um, we got a, a whole heap of information, sound wisdom for persons who probably already start up their own cannabis business or looking to get into it one day. You will have put some things into perspective for a lot of people to reconsider, educate themselves, innovate, solid ideas. And I actually just remembered what you would have made mention of Curry, which is where you're, you need the people, um, essentially, right? You people invest into people and not their business idea, which is exactly what I wanted to remember. And that's very true. People want to see the type of people who they're assisting. You know, it's just not, I will give you this amount of, of money or I will just support your business because your business sounds great. It's more so about what this person is looking to do next five years, next 10 years with the type of assistance that I provide to them now. And people love to have Sound people around them, persons who have experience as well as people who are confident in, in what they are doing. So as we close, we like to do a little personal trivia on the Caribbean Cannabis channel to allow our listeners to connect a little bit more with our guests. So I'll start off by asking a question um, to you, Corey. And what is one book or a quote that you have used throughout your, your career? A non-cannabis related question though. Who one book? There's a uh, a book called the Business Model Generation Book. Um, there's a whole series. I think there's like five or six books kind of in the series, but um, it really just breaks down how to build a business model, how to create supply chains, value chains, kind of the areas to think through. But it's also a really good book that kind of reflects on other businesses, other industries that there have been kind of disruptions in. You know, people have have operated in the same models for for years and years until Uber came along, until Apple came along, until Tesla came along. Um, so it kind of breaks it, breaks down different case studies on those businesses and the things that they changed about the way that we all operate today. We buy things online or how we purchase cars or how we think about the purchases we make. Um, and it's a really, you know, it has a really good printout of, you know, how they create those models and, um, helps people identify the gaps early, you know, and kind of think through and, and try to visualize where, where can you be disruptive in, in a new market. And with cannabis being such a new market and, you know, us kind of writing new chapters every day to it, I think it's a really great book for people to read and um, you know, try to digest. Yeah, so every time I ask that question, I always get a, I always get a great um, read. And I like to add to my, to my library, actually. Uh, one of the next questions that I love to add, and I would have gotten some awesome songs from it, so let's say that you, you are prepping yourself for an uh, important meeting, right? You are looking to close a deal. What is one song that you would put on to assist in motivating you for that meeting? Oh, this is definitely an Anthony question. 
Wait, what? <laughs> oh, good question. I have so many. <laughs> so many on my playlist. What what do you choose? You know, I like going into I mean I really do. I like going into a uh melodic uh environment. It it brings creativity, it brings thoughtfulness. Uh not I don't need hype, right? What I what I'm looking at is uh the openness, you know, open heart, open mind, and um really paying attention and listening to so uh you know, groups like, uh, Aquilo, Akio, um, groups like Sone, um, uh, those, uh, and even Enigma, um, you know, from kind of an old school band group <laughs> that, uh, you know, brings that melodic, brings that reflective, innovative, creative environment. So, because I want to, I mean, that's it. I mean, open heart, open mind and, um, going into, you know, my day or going into, you know, talking with clients and customers, it is that innovative, open, creative, uh, open heart, open mind, you know, allow me to hear what you're saying. Let me ask the key questions that are going to reveal, you know, passion, repeal, reveal vision, um, from that standpoint and, uh, connect with, uh, you know, every client in that particular way. Okay. Awesome. I'll definitely have to listen to some of these groups. I'm familiar with Enigma, but not, um, Akio and soon. Next question to, to both of you. You have your, your friends, your, it's a Friday night, work has finished, and you have the option of either a, a games night or going out for, for dinner or for a movie with, with the friends. And what do you all choose? I say it kind of depends on the week I've had. I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty in the middle, I think. You know, I like to just take it easy, go, you know, go maybe have a drink or happy hour, grab dinner and check out a movie. Um, but also, you know, I'm, I'm always down to, to go have a little fun and cut loose a little bit. Yeah. From my, my perspective, there's a couple of like key, key places in and around the Denver area, local area that, um, like have gotten to the place where they know me. It's just kind of like a great vibe, <laughs> great music, you know, great people. There's already connected. They, they kind of know, know me. And, uh, you know, just being in a place where you're known is really great. And, uh, yeah, and to have a, you know, a nice glass of wine or to hit a uh, dinner club, you know, dinner jazz club um, has always been good. I mean, from and again, it goes back to that melodic, that rhythmic, that, you know, that aspect of, you know, reflection uh, for me. So that that's, you know, after a day, after a week, um, that's usually, you know, really big for me. I could definitely lime with you. And if you're wondering what lime is, that's how we usually say um, to chill or to hang out here in Trinidad. So, yeah, I could definitely line with you, man. Yeah. They were just right. looking for the invite down. So you do the next podcast in person. That's it. <laughs> Video cast. I, I definitely have that on my list. I have that on my agenda. So it's when you are ready rather than when I'm ready. <laughs> right. So be, before we do leave, um, anything that you would like to leave with the listeners, where they could find you, how they could keep up to date with higher youth consultancy or reach out for any of your services? Yeah, most people reach us uh, through our website at www.higheryieldsconsulting.com. You can also call our 1-800 number. It's 844-HIGH-YIELD, H-I-Y-I-E-L-D. Yeah, then uh, you can always reach out to, to Anthony or myself. But on our website, we put up a new blog every week. Um, we generally have two new podcasts a month. So there's always a lot of really good information and education on there for people. Okay, awesome. Fellas, I just want to greatly thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedules to 
to come here and meditate and educate with us here on the Caribbean Cannabis Channel. As I said, there was a lot of advice, a lot of wisdom, experience um, given in the words that you would have offered. And I know that for, for sure myself would not take anything that you would have said for granted, as well as any of the listeners who um, have those ambitions of entering the, the cannabis industry or even solidifying themselves in the place that they are currently. Right, and I'm definitely looking forward to actually having that in-person interview with you all pretty soon and advancing the cannabis legalization as well as education movement across the, the region. Excellent. Daniel, such a pleasure. Thank you for the invite and really appreciated the opportunity. Thanks, Nathaniel. Hi, give thanks for listening to another episode of the Caribbean Cannabis Channel. Be sure to like, share and follow to stay up to date with all the development and behind the scenes happening across the Caribbean cannabis community. Until next time, remember to meditate and educate.